but I think I like 99 Homes a little more. But I don't know. I just I just thought if if you guys had seen that, it's kind of a good comparison movie. I I didn't watch it because I thought there were 97 Sherlock Holmes movies I needed to catch up with first. <laughs> um, <laughs> Whoa. That's true. You gotta be a you gotta be a completionist for sure. Oh, Stephen! You can't leave out those other ninety eight. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spore the Warning podcast. This is review number three ninety two with a review of The Big Short. I'm Christopher Schnazy. I'm Carson Patrick, and I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler the Warning podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. This week, we are back. The holidays are over. We're talking about the big short. And uh, Carson's back. Steven's back. I'm back. We're all here. Big, happy family. Once again, how are you guys doing this evening? Carson. Great. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why everything is so funny tonight. I'm glad to know our banter will be no less stilted by having the three of us back. <laughs> oh, you know what? I have some I have some uh, things to contribute to the banter. One, I remembered what was bothering me uh, during the Star Wars. Was it me saying leave Schreiber instead of leave Schreiber? <laughs> no, 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 no. It was something that Chris said uh, during the Star Wars episode. I couldn't for the life of me remember what episode it was where Chris was mispronouncing something and then pronounce it correctly again, and I thought I was losing it. Um, but it was in The Good Dinosaur. You were talking about Brave, and you are talking about how, like, there was a whole team of animators who only animated her braids. Mm-hmm. So you were like, yeah, Brave, blah, 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 and then you're like, in the movie Braid. Oh. <laughs> in the movie Braid. And then, like, so you said it, like, three times, and I was like, what? And then you said, okay, so in Brave, I was like, oh, now he's back. I was like, I was very confused. I first mm. thought for sure. I was like, I'm pretty sure he's saying Braid and not Brave. Well, because I, I think I mentioned, I think I referred to it as just the hair, so I think I was literally just messing up. I wasn't confused at saying Braids and then calling it that. But there's a video game called Braid, which in my head I might have been thinking of on accident. I think you were calling it Braid. But anyway. Either that or I was. So, when when I listened to the episode, because I was just self-conscious, I was positive you were thinking of me a few episodes ago in Spotlight, talking about Liev Schreiber. And I Mm. said it like 50 times. And afterwards, I listened to like other podcasts and realized everyone in the world but me apparently knows how to pronounce his name. (laughs) And I don't know why. Like, why do people know that? Like... It looks like leave. It doesn't look like leave. I, I, I was surprised yeah. anyone knew him well enough to pronounce it correctly, <laughs> but everyone did. For for all we know, you might be the only person in podcast history to pronounce it correctly. <laughs> like, leave Schreiber alone. <laughs> Very nice. But uh, speaking of speaking of doing things incorrectly, um, if people listen to our Star Wars episode, apparently I may have missed a few swear words. In there. Oh yeah, that was the other thing I wanted to say. Oh, lots yeah. of lots of f-s went unbleeped. <laughs> so so here's the thing. It was pretty funny. There were like three that were bleeped, and then three that there, that weren't, and then there was one that was bleeped, and then one right after that wasn't. I was like, I guess he was just trying to get it done. I mean, you know. He's much more vigilant about Gwyneth Paltrow's head. Than... 
But uh, so, oh, here, here's the thing too: is there was a scene where I gave away a big spoiler scene. There was a part where I gave away a big spoiler for Star Wars, and as a joke, yeah. Uh, I I completely removed. I didn't just like bleep it. I took the whole section out and just removed it before I started inserting bleeps. So that way, like for sure, no matter what. I couldn't accidentally like nudge the track that had the bleep in it and then like let that information go. So I was very careful about that, which was done correctly. But yes, some 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 F bombs made it through in that episode. But you know, I mean it's it's the the holidays is a is a jam packed time and uh was trying to get that episode as fast as I could, considering I didn't get to get it up before I left for uh, the Christmas holiday. Um but yeah, so that, it brings up the question. Do you listeners care if this is just an explicit podcast or would you like me to continue bleeping things um this is my trick to force you guys to engage with us <laughs> so <laughs> if you have a preference whether the episodes get bleeped or uh if the episodes just go ahead and let me flag the episodes as explicit if i think we're cussing in it then uh, go ahead and send us an email to fans at the spoilerwarning.com and let us know and uh hey whoever whatever side has the most maybe we'll go that way um, if it's about even, we'll probably keep it clean because that's how it is. But I did go back and flag that episode as explicit just so that officially it does say it's an explicit episode. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I just thought it was funny. It would actually be really easy to go back and just unbleep everything. Because <laughs> that would take way less time because I could jump to the spot in the track because the bleeping actually occurs on a different track than where the audio mm. is. So it'd be yeah. really easy for me to just go find those locations, just completely explicify that episode um yeah but well then you can double dip like all the how they do all the star wars movies oh yeah like now in the uncensored special edition (laughs) the unrated spoiler edition like they do with dvds of comedies like adam mckay's comedies where they don't usually add anything way to bring it back or i could just i could just take f-bombs from movies we've reviewed and drop them (laughs) in in place yeah it's the unrated extreme raw and raw and uncut version no, no, that's all done and over with. What do you say, guys? We make our way into the big short. Michael, how are you? I found something really interesting. The whole housing market is propped up on these bad loans. They will fail. The housing market is rock solid. It's a time bomb. So Mike Burry, who gets his hair cut at Supercuts and doesn't wear shoes, knows more than Alan Greenspan. Dr. Mike Burry, yes, he does. <laughs> you know what? I'm pissed off. American people are getting screwed by the big banks. And I am getting madder and madder. It's unbelievable. Then this guy walks into my office and says, There's some shady stuff going down. All the banks were having a big old party. A few outsiders saw what no one else could. The whole world economy might collapse. I'm sure the world's banks have more incentives than greed. You're wrong. No one's paying attention. The banks got greedy. And we can profit off of their stupidity. Do you want to bet against the banks? I think we're either high or having a stroke. Kind of brilliant. Fraud has never ever worked. Eventually, things go south. When the hell did we forget all that? How can the banks let this happen? It's fueled by stupidity. But that's not stupidity, that's fraud. 
tell me the difference between stupid and illegal and I'll have my wife's brother arrested. <laughs> <laughs> Any idea what you just did? You just bet against the American economy. If you're wrong, you can lose it all. The banks are defrauded for the American people. Now we can kick them in the teeth. Okay, here we go. You target strippers with bad loans. Mm -hmm. No cash rich. Not going to be able to refinance. On all my loans? What do you mean all your loans? I have five houses. Anaconda. All right, so that was the trailer for The Big Short, and it is the story about, uh, you know, back in the mid-2000s, there was a little housing market <laughs> crash, bad stuff that happened, and uh, a couple of uh, very, um, I can't think of the word that I'm trying to come up with, basically some smart individuals decided <laughs> that, like, if the banks are f***ing over the people... I don't know why it's so funny. What if we bet against... <laughs> Technically, it's they're betting funny, against the people who are getting f***ed over. But basically, they decided like to turn a bad situation into a profit for them. Right. And uh, pulled some shenanigans to try to make some money. So It's like a non-nefarious act. It was kind of nefarious, though. It's a little nefarious, but in a in a good way, I guess. For, for who? <laughs> well, they're making like, money. They, so. they made money off of it, but they're like on our side, right? Yeah, they're, I guess. But they're, yeah. they're not, because they're hoping... Like, the banks only get f***ed if the people are double f***ed, and then, <clears throat> you know, it, it's, it's a system, look, nobody's winning except for them, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, I, I, was being, I was being ironic. <laughs> I think they're just greedy. <laughs> okay. Anyways, let's get into this, Carson Patrick. Oh, dear. What did you think of this film, the smarter I'm of not, the two films we're reviewing this week? I'm not smart enough to review this movie. Um... The big short. Uh, well, I thought it was entertaining, um, which is, uh, I think, a positive given the the subject matter. Um, so I kudos to that. I think it. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't expect a, a movie about this kind of topic to be as funny and entertaining as it was, but it is. So uh, I I. My hat is off to Adam McKay, who I think is an inspired choice to to direct this movie. Um, it's very clear that he has a lot of passion, uh, or he had a lot of passion for this project, or I guess dispassion for not or for the you know what happened. But uh, anyway, it's it comes across in the movie, and um, I think the entire cast is solid across the board. Um, and it's it's a relatively breezy watch. For a movie that's kind of depressing, <laughs> but uh, I've, I, I there's like one problem that I kind of had with it. Um, it's not extremely negative, but uh, I, I'll wait till everyone says their piece before I bring it up. But uh, yeah, I overall I was pleasantly surprised. I guess I would say. All right, Stephen. Um, yeah, I mean, I I pretty much echo everything Carson said. I think this movie, it hit a really fun balance between being comedic and being educational and also just having a kind of like a swagger, like an Ocean's Eleven type vibe that I can't necessarily say 
it was amazing, but it just makes it extremely fun to sit through. Um, yeah, I was actually surprised by how well Adam McKay handled a story that, while having humor, like, it was not a laugh-a-minute improv-type movie by any sense. <laughs> like, this felt like a no. very, you know, tightly scripted, cool movie that threw in humor as a way to disarm you. Um, and he nailed it. I mean, like, not everything worked for me. There are scenes, like, with Margot Robbie and Selena Gomez that, like, I love the idea behind them. I feel like the script is very clever. But in the tone of the movie, I, like, I felt mildly bemused, but I wasn't actually laughing, <laughs> uh, which, mm. which is fine. Maybe that's what he's going for. It's just, like, a playful smirk and not really comedy so much as, like, bemusement. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it had that breezy, breaking the fourth wall style. I loved the way, like, Ryan Gosling would just turn and talk to the camera sometimes, and you don't know or care what is real and what isn't real. Um I thought the cast was just pretty awesome around the board. I mean, Christian Bale really nailed this kind of very particular awkward character with a glass eye. Um, <laughs> well, he saw Mark Ruffalo in Spotlight and was just like, not on the spectrum enough. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I, I got to go full, full retard. <laughs> anyway, um, except I'm also a professor, <laughs> a brilliant PhD. Dr. Mike Burry. <laughs> Right, he's a doctor. We, uh, yeah. I feel like if Steve Carell in Foxcatcher, people thought he was maybe a little much. I think this, as his prequel to Foxcatcher, before he decided to make America great again, <laughs> did a pretty good <laughs> job of getting his, uh, getting his character right. Like, I thought this movie had the right tone for Steve Carell to be like an actor, actor who still gets to be a little bit over the top. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't think the movie was totally amazing, but I thought it was a very, very fun way to spend two hours. And it actually made me think about stuff, too. Like, ever since I watched it, I was telling Chris, I went back and I've been, like, listening to every episode of This American Life or Planet Money that is about the crisis. Just, like, I don't know, it made me curious about what is true and what isn't true. So, yeah, I, I dug it. I think it's a cool, cool movie. Yeah, so I, I had a lot of fun with it. I had fun watching some of the like the hijinks of the characters in a way. Um, I, I it, it's kind of funny. It, it the the they're breaking the fourth wall is like it's the opposite of Pain and Gain, where in Pain and Gain they kept stopping the film to go like, no, this is actually what happened in the story. And in this film, they're like, this isn't exactly how it went down, but like just for the sake, just follow us. And they kind of like they're they're sort of like saying like, look, we know we're kind of creating the scenario in a way that's going to make it more filmic or more entertaining, but basically the same rough idea of what happened happens to so just go with it. Um, I enjoyed that sort of aspect of the film. Um, I'm going to give some complaints. I don't know if this will dip into the category of what Carson was holding to bring up, but what I really didn't like about the film is kind of the same, the same complaints that I had about Pitch Perfect 1. <laughs> like, you didn't understand it. <laughs> wow, I didn't was not expecting that. No, but I, I, I was because remember when we were talking about that film, I was like, you know, it's not that good of a of a competition film. Like it's mm -hmm. it's fun and it's entertaining, but it's not really that great of a competition film. And this is sort of like it's fun and it's entertaining, 
but it's not really that informative about the situation and how things work. Like you brought up Stephen, the the Margot Robbie bathtub scene, and then the uh, the Selena Gomez casino scene, and it's like the the Margot Robbie, Robbie one. They at least they at least try to be informative of what they're saying, but like the Selena Gomez one, they're sort of dumbing it down as as much as possible to go like, no, it's just basically that person has a bet and that person bets on that person's bet and then that person bets on that person's bet and then it goes on forever. And it's, I I guess like you understand from the trailer what happened, right? But you, I don't understand on a fundamental level why that was something that was allowed to happen. Like, you can do all the Jenga scenes that you want and try like, like Jenga maybe yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Um, but like, like those scenes, they, they work from a stand back and look at the big picture standpoint. But like what happened is crazy enough that I'm like, okay, now you've got me. Like I'm on the end of like the, the thing, you know, like I, I never really paid attention much to the housing market because like I wasn't in the market to get a house, right? <laughs> it's something that, right. that you just don't necessarily pay that much attention to unless you're trying to get a loan and trying to get your own house. Um, so it's like, I, I knew that the crash happened, but it wasn't something that I was like freaking out and concerned about because it's just something that at that point in time, I didn't really care that much about. But like watching this, I was like, oh no, this is some really f***ed up shit. Like how could this be allowed to happen? And who let this happen? Um, But the film doesn't do a good job of explaining that aspect to it. Like this is the type of story that I'd kind of rather listen to a podcast or watch a documentary about than see this like fun, zany sort of movie that shows how ridiculous it is. Um, I also kind of think that like, they don't do a good job of kind of like we were, we were talking at the beginning before we started the review about how like really everybody was losing except for these few people. <laughs> and on the one hand, you're rooting for them because they're taking on the banks, right? They're, 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 they're taking on the people who are screwing people over, but they're also trying to let they're I mean, they're not, they're not, they're not helping to screw people over, but they're hoping that people get screwed over because then everybody's going to get screwed. But like once there becomes this like echo chamber, so to speak, of of people buying these credit default swaps, like it becomes a thing where it's like, oh no, now this is really screwed up. And now people are just trying to like screw over other people to try to offload the stuff that they do have. And it's like, it becomes such a huge cluster that it's hard to, like there's no one to root for. Basically everybody is super jacked up, especially Mike Burry, the guy who like first discovered it. I don't know the real life story, but like that guy's the worst bastard of all. Like what he does and then sort of just hangs out in his office while like it affects everyone around him is pretty insane. Like that's definitely the worst way, uh, the worst person in this film to me. But uh, I don't know. What do you guys think? Uh, Well, that kind of ties into why... uh... I guess the one big problem that I had with it was that it wasn't really mean enough. Like it was kind of just nice. Um, (laughs) I like here, like here's the thing. Like there's, there's, I feel like there's a lot of comparisons to uh, the Wolf of Wall Street because obviously there's a lot of Scorsese influences on this movie. Um, And that's fine. But like in the Wolf of Wall Street, I think in a lot of reasons why, people didn't like that movie was because 
um it just was a scorched earth like everything just gets everyone there's no you know prisoners like everyone just gets it like you know they were all scumbags and they realized how gullible and stupid people were and took their money and here it's kind of the same thing but no one really acknowledges the fact that it's like yeah a lot of these people were just dumb like i i don't know like i i just wanted like a little bit of like badness like i feel like even the guys who are supposed to be bad aren't don't really seem that bad i mean they're bad in like the, a frat guy way like, yeah like in a cool in like an evil in a, like a fun way shithead. yeah well because even all the the main characters in this movie like christian bale and and you know all the guys that are that are betting against this collapse technically you know we shouldn't be rooting for them but we kind of end up do and i know at least i did which i think is a credit to the film is that you know when it comes when it gets closer to when the crash actually happened you're like like yes like this is gonna be the part where you know everyone's all like oh fuck, like batman was right um <laughs> and there he's gonna get his you know redemption or whatever um so there is like some of that in there but like take take for instance the scene where um Carell and his team go down to florida and they meet with uh max greenfield and that other dude who are like the 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 brokers or whatever and you know they're talking about how like yeah like we can make all these loans to strippers and blah 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 and you know foreign people and poor people and etc etc but like they were like the nicest scumbags like they weren't (laughs) like they didn't feel scummy enough to me like they weren't just like oh these guys like they're just stupid you know what i mean they were pretty scummy (laughs) like i don't know like they just i just wanted like more of the fact that it's like yeah like we totally screwed these people and and i mean like there's a sense there's a side of me that's like okay yes this was an extremely messed up thing because obviously you you as a person would want to trust the bank because you know you feel like they would be doing everything the correct way um and then you know they weren't on all the wrong levels and everything um but at the same time, it's just like, well, survival of the fittest. Like, that's a part of me. Like, the cynic is just like, well, if you didn't have the money to begin with, why are you making a loan that's without, you know, outside of your means? Like, I don't know. Like, that just doesn't make sense to me. But obviously, there were a lot of people who were manipulated and 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 duped into it. Like, it's like, it's like you know, any scam artist, I guess, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I don't know. There, there's a lot of gray area to the whole situation, but I just wish the movie had kind of addressed a little more of the that there was a lot of like meanness that happened from it. And the movie doesn't really tap into that, like as much as something like The Wolf of Wall Street did, where you just you feel like the full force of like what these people did. And you're just like, this is f-ing crazy. And like the big short, I feel like kind of skims around that a little bit because they want it to be you know sort of palatable and 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 main not mainstream but you know just so everybody can not feel i guess totally depressed after watching it i I guess the way i feel about it is like when it starts off you know our our what i guess we're supposed to call our heroes they sort of seem like they're on the good side um where they're like oh 
we see this, it's going to happen. We might as well like try to profit on it to, to uh, screw the banks. But then when you realize it's not just like, it's not just a one and done transaction where like, okay, it happened. Now it's done. Like, even in that process, people are trying to screw each other. Like, Ryan Gosling's character is the smartest person in this whole movie. He, <laughs> he's a yeah. freaking mad genius. Like, if there's a hero in this story, it's him. Because he's the sharkiest dude in this story. Like, the way, like, you have all these different groups of people who are who are trying to come up with, like, these ways to bet against the housing market. And he's the one guy who stands to make the most money relative to how much money he has to put up himself, which is zero. <laughs> like, the yeah. plan mm-hmm. that he comes up with is brilliant. And, like, even though he's sort of the sharkiest dude, he's the one I kind of feel... I don't know. Like, Steve Carell's character is definitely sympathetic. Like, he seems the nicest human being, right? But yeah. I, I I just feel like it's it's... I don't know. It's weird. Like, the sliding scale, I guess, is, like, Steve Carell's team is... The most sympathetic, uh, <laughs> Ryan Gosling is the biggest genius, and then Mike Burry is just a shady ass mother who like <laughs> screwed over a lot of people while trying to like go like, aren't I so smart? Do do do. I'm gonna walk around barefoot. Yeah. And then Brad Pitt is just getting colonics. So oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yeah no I think I, I I definitely feel all that criticism. I think it didn't bother me that much. Like. Like I definitely agree with Carson that it isn't mean enough. I would have liked it to either veer more into the mean or more into the whimsical, and instead it kept this like. Anyway, I was I was trying to say that I feel like Steve Carell's conscience was a little bit shoved into the narrative. Like I probably believe the real guy was a piece of shit who just made money and then later decided to pretend he had a conscience about it. Yeah. Um, but. As far as not having heroes, I don't think that bothered me. Like, I think, I don't know, it's a very cynical movie in that sense where, like, all these people are speaking the language of finance, which is just a big dick measuring contest of who can (laughs) be right when everyone else is wrong. Do you even finance, bro? Yeah, bro. (laughs) I have, like, 10 inches of finance. Oh, bro, I got 13. (laughs) So, anyway, they, they use the same dickish weapon against the banks and you're supposed to root for it in the sense that like they're the prophets who saw it coming before everyone else but you also are in the end supposed to feel like who actually got hurt the banks didn't get hurt these guys clearly didn't get hurt these guys are happy that it happened and i don't know i i think that moral awkwardness is what they were going for like you're supposed to feel very uncomfortable (laughs) with the whole idea um yeah so that didn't bother me i mean that i think i walked away with a kind of spiteful laugh which i feel like is the best adam mckay could hope for um it would have been nice to maybe feel either empowered or have the uh have the craziness shoved in my face a little more but i actually liked i liked it for what it is i like that Ryan Gosling was a shark, like a piece of shit who basically doesn't even apologize by the end. Um, yeah, he, he literally yeah. kisses a check. <laughs> yeah, I think I liked it. And the reason Wolf of Wall Street, the meanness kind of got on my nerves where here this more softball approach worked for me is the softball approach was fun. And the mean approach, even if it's like 
pushing its message further, it isn't as fun. And like, if I'm going to be angry at the end of a movie, I'd rather at least be happily angry somehow. Yeah, no, I feel that. And and I think that like, the like I, I think better than, I guess the opposite end of the coin to my complaint about there not being like real heroes that you can get behind is that the bad guy isn't technically any of the characters. It's the fact that this situation could even happen in the first place. Like it is the banks, but it's also just that like the scenario that this story is taking place in, like the fact that this is allowed to happen, that it was could be happen, and that like what would happen after the fact, how it all resolves, is all a thing that like could even happen at all. That's like the real bad guy. Is just like this shouldn't be allowed to happen. And I don't know. I think that's where the story kind of just gets insane for me is when it's not just people, it's not just the the main characters who are buying these up and like like oh, this is gonna get awesome. Like once the people they're buying them from catch wind of what's happening, those people are trying to buy them too, and then like the whole system is just now even the people who are making money are potentially gonna lose money. So that's where it just gets sort of insane, and that's kind of what I think the real point of the film is is just to show you how incredibly ridiculous the system is. And, uh, you know, the movie has a little thesis about, like, you know, in, in a voiceover from Ryan Gosling, which I won't, I won't say because don't want to spoil real life. But, uh, yeah, like, I, I like that little coda to the film and, and, like, what he, his character says. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and also, Baby Goose, wearing so much tanner, borderline oh, yeah. blackface. <laughs> I thought that was comical. All right. (laughs) (laughs) I would, by the way, recommend like, so I, I don't think the movie did an amazing job of explaining shit. Like, like Chris, you said Margot Robbie's scene was informative. I I said it was at least attempted to like, it it used actual like economy terms. Like, as I I felt like it, it was trying to be informative in the way that like Sheldon in the big bang theory is supposed to teach you physics. Like it was only supposed to be gibberish. I didn't feel like she was trying to actually teach you. Yeah. yeah, (laughs) But but I I think like half of the joke, like basically it was, it was her line could have been taken from the first paragraph of the Wikipedia article for like (laughs) the the entire crisis. Mm -hmm. Um, But it, it at least was, attempting in some way to be real information even if it's not informative it was real information as opposed to the scene in the casino where it's just like they were they, they were doing a metaphor as opposed to saying what was really happening yeah uh, anyway like if anyone is curious uh the this american life episode the giant pool of money i think is super super good and i feel like adam mckay probably based this script off of it because <laughs> That also had the idea of like using kind of playful analogies and a fun kind of layman terms to get across the insanity of what happened. Um, so anyway, be, I had already listened to that before, so I feel like maybe I came in not caring so much about those details and just wanting to watch a fun movie about it. Yeah. Well, I think that's the only. Well, well first of all, I was going to say, did you guys see Ninety Nine Homes? Uh, no. Mm-hmm. Okay, because that was the other uh, movie about the housing collapse. That was where that General Zod tries to get uh, Percy Spider-Man. Jackson to. I, he tries. He tries to recruit uh, Peter Parker. Oh, is it Peter? Oh, that's right. It's like, yeah. why, to help. Well, is there another movie that has that has Percy Jackson in it? Uh, that's also yeah, it's, about. It's uh, it's him thirty years from now, and he's in the Big Short. 
playing Dr. Michael Burry. <laughs> <laughs> because Christian Bale looked like exactly like Logan Lerman like 30 years from now. Which is, I guess, makes sense since he played his son in 310 to Yuma, so... <laughs> Not I don't, you know, <laughs> I guess, yeah. He just had like the same hairstyle and everything. I was like, damn, dude, they cast that right back in 310 to Yuma. And the housing market <laughs> back in the old west was just as bad <laughs> right. as it is nowadays. It's just as shitty. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah, so 99 homes, I thought um I mean, if you were to tell me that two movies that came out in 2015 about the housing collapse were actually like pretty decent. I'd be like, I'd be kind of surprised, but they, I mean, 99 homes. I mean, I, I it kind of had the same problems I did with big short, um, but in different ways. Like I feel like 99 homes was like straight fire up until the end, which was like a lame Hollywood ending. Um, but the acting was so good in that movie and they kind of like spend the whole time making you, believe that michael shannon is is a bad person but like from my point of view i was just like dude this guy's just adapt or die like he's just trying to to survive and you know peter parker is a sucker man but i guess they you know <laughs> they're trying to they're trying to make it seem like oh well you know he did the right thing in the end it's like whatever man i'd rather be in michael shannon's position <laughs> I, feel, I don't know i feel like there's this like un- this subtle underlying tone from carson of like four people <laughs> <laughs> but, no i'm not saying that i'm just saying watch the movie and you'll you'll see it's like but i, I you know i, I do think but, but, but 99 homes had like at least in the beginning it had michael shannon was somewhat hammering the home the fact that like i would <laughs> want it out of <laughs> wanted out of big short but then it just kind of upended itself in the end but so it kind of had similar problems but I think I like 99 Homes a little more. But I don't know. I just I just thought if, if you guys had seen that, it's kind of a good comparison movie. I, I didn't watch it because I thought there were 97 Sherlock Holmes movies I needed to catch up with first. <laughs> um, <laughs> Whoa. That's true. You gotta, be a, you gotta be a completionist for sure. Oh, Steven. You can't leave out those other 98 no, of course movies. Not. No. I mean, that's well, a I lot saw the of, first one. Um, <laughs> that's, a lot of, that's a lot of Rihanna and Jim Barsons. For sure, but uh, <laughs> I, I do think that um, there is an element to these movies that makes it so the savvy business guy, even if he's definitely not a protagonist, he isn't an enemy in the way that like General Zod, actual General Zod, would be an enemy. He's like they're like <laughs> you kind of like watching them be savvy, and I think this right. movie clearly confronts you with that in the sense that you are like rooting for these guys who did almost nothing to make billions of dollars off of a yeah. crisis that the only guy who saw it coming is like not a good guy um yeah so like the real enemy in these movies is the system like the ridiculous situation that lets nothingness become valued so high which i i don't know it, it isn't as fun an enemy as real people but it is kind of more truthful yeah, I, I liked in the coda that it said that um, the real Michael Burry was investing in water. So is, he's going to like become like a real life Lex Luthor or something. <laughs> <laughs> he's be like, I have all the water. Like, haha, you didn't believe me. But like, oh, shit, we should have trusted that guy. 
It, that's, it's, Should it's, listen to him. It's going to get worked into the plot of Batman v Superman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So should we get should we get into our verdicts then? Okay. Sure. Or, or does anybody have any last thoughts? Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll do verdicts then. Carson, if you're going to give this a must-see, I recommend with the caveat, wait for until pass with the caveat, or must avoid, what would you give it? Uh, I guess i give it a recommend. I think it's fine, and I, I think, I, I did like that um, Adam McKay, like, kind of, I, I feel like the way that he did this movie was probably the best way, at least to get the information across, um, and kind of the, the fun wacky way it was almost like like a like one of those vh1 i love the 90s type of thing but for the housing collapse <laughs> like it's, it's just edited and directed in like that kind of manner like almost music video like but if it was shot like a born movie which that really distracted me at first where it was just like let's zoom in on you know christian bale's face and i was just like oh fuck. but then i got i got used to it though so it was fine, but it was really, it was really annoying in the beginning. Right, Steven? I would even bump it up personally to a must-see, albeit like one of the weaker must-sees I've given. Um, I think as a hitting that blend of comedy and intriguing story, I think it did a really good job. Like Carson said, I don't, I don't know if this story could have been told much better. And like, I don't think it's that influential or memorable necessarily but i think it it was a blast to watch in the theaters even though when i sat down to watch it the first thing i heard was like an abusive couple next to me where the guy was yelling at his girlfriend like just shut up shut up if you say one word i'm walking out of this theater (laughs) (laughs) and then the comedy started oh man and I felt so uncomfortable, and yet not only did the movie relax me, but halfway through the movie, they were kissing each other. So <laughs> Dude, it there, brings people together. I had there was the exact same reaction in the hateful eight, but it was like with two old couple, with two old people. It was like I have the right to walk out of this movie. The, the stars like, of forty five years <laughs> went to the showing. <laughs> oh god have you seen that yet it looks like this year's mr turner <laughs> I, I saw it i actually thought it was pretty nice <laughs> oh, that not, means it's not terrible. great but like i don't think it was mr turner <laughs> okay well i don't know <laughs> i'm my airplane airplane bar is much different from my regular bar though mm. <laughs> do, wait you saw that on a plane oh yeah that was already on the plane it was well, I British guess it's Airways. already been released over in the in Europe. Mm-hmm. Damn. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I am going to give it a recommend also. Um, I think it's a fun watch. And, uh, you know, like you're probably going to go want to want Excuse me. You're probably going to want to go watch uh, either some documentary on the subject or listen to some podcasts out there if you want to really know information. But I think that... Uh, the film was a good attempt to give you the gist of a situation, let you know how insane it was, while still being entertaining. Because I could assume, in some, at some like level, this content could be really boring. Um, but uh, I think the um, story is done in a way that makes it fun and enjoyable. Cool. Yeah. Well, I think uh, then that is going to do it for this episode of the Spoiler Warning Podcast, uh, Carson. Um, people can't really find you anywhere, right? Uh, no, but I will, I, I will say, um, 
I, I will take that back. I think The Assassin is this year's Mr. Turner, and I'm predicting 45 years this year's Two Days, One Night. Am I right? Is it close? Am I close? That's much closer. Okay, yeah. good. Which I was, I didn't dislike Two Days, One Night, but I was just kind of like, it's not for me. Though I assume 45 years is this year's Amore, but I never saw Amore, <laughs> so I can't compare it. There's like this like nasty flow chart going on now of like this movie oh, is dude. this year's this movie, which is this year's this movie, and then if it's this year's a more, then it's gonna be pretty bad. <laughs> oh man! All right, well, Stephen, if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that? Uh, you can go to twitter.com/sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. People can find me at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com/christopherirl. You can find the podcast over at thespoilerwarning.com, where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. Uh, if you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoilerwarning or like us at facebook.com slash thespoilerwarning. If you want to go get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com. You can use the contact form on our site or you can call and leave us a voicemail at 760-575-4TSW at 760-575-4879. And don't use the other line because people are listening. <laughs> <laughs> Who, the Jews? <laughs> <laughs> Bobby Fisher calling in? <laughs> <laughs> Mark Baum? Come on. <laughs> Whatever. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to the big shorts. Um, if you enjoy this show, uh, <laughs> go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes. And uh, we have one more review, at least, coming out before we get to our big year end recap which will be coming out in like a week or so. Um, <laughs> in a month. But, uh, yeah, so here's a review of The Big Short. We're also going to head off and go do a review of The Hateful Eight. You're looking forward to that. And just, just so you know, we're going to broadcast that episode in 70 millimeter. And, Hell yeah. And there will be intermission in the middle. Good. It'll be a long, <laughs> long episode. All right, we will see everybody next time in that review that I just said is coming. Bye. Bye.